Once again, good morning. My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here, and again, it is a joy to worship with you this morning. We're going to open up God's Word in a few moments. We're going to jump around a little bit today. We're taking a break from the book of John. Uh, many of you know that we've been in the book of John for well over a year, uh, and uh, we're going to take a break today, uh, mostly because baptism is coming, and I wanted to preach on baptism before we get to that moment. And um, this you ever have those you ever have those moments where you're kind of like confronted with something and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, um, maybe maybe I haven't given this the attention that I should. Maybe I haven't given this the attention that it deserves, or maybe the attention that God might bring to it. And so this week was kind of um, kind of that way for me when it comes to baptism. Like in our modern expressions of church. I think if you look back through the history of church, you're going to see that baptism was far more integral to their experience of conversion. That when someone came to faith in Christ, when you look through the New Testament particularly, when someone came to faith in Christ, they were baptized immediately. It must be a pretty big deal. Through the preaching of Peter, through, through Paul's instruction, whatever it is, through Christ himself, believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. And I'm looking at our modern expressions, particularly in the American church, and I go, man, is it just far too ordinary? Is it far too, like, yeah, okay, baptism, cool. It's just kind of one of the things that you do, one of the ordinances of the church, one of the sacraments, maybe, depending on your church background and tradition. But has it, like, is it the deal that it should be in our lives? Is it the deal in my life? And so much so this week that I felt compelled that I had to call somebody from our congregation to go, listen, I feel like I haven't made this a big enough deal and I, and I needed to apologize to somebody because they expressed the desire at one point to be baptized, and I didn't make it the deal that I think the scriptures make it. And so today I thought, you know what? For us to be able to look at the scriptures again, to look at Jesus' command, to look at some of Paul's instruction or Peter's instruction, to go, you know what? Let's elevate baptism to where it needs to be in our lives. And so that was my heart this morning. Like I said, we'll take a break from the book of John, but we'll be back there again next week. And so if you miss it, it's coming back. Uh, it'll be back next week. Um, but like I said, some of this today is coming out of a little bit of conviction in my own life. Uh, actually running across uh, some of the things that have happened through ch church history like, I think about that early church, man, when they identified as followers of the way, and they went into the waters, and they were baptized into Christ Jesus a lot, for a lot of them, it meant losing everything. Even today, in, in, in certain cultures around the world, whether it be in India or whether it be in Muslim nations, like, when you are baptized, when you believe on Christ Jesus and you are baptized into him, you lose everything your family life, maybe your, your position in, in society, uh, some, even threatened, of course, of being killed. Like even, even today, we talked about just a few weeks ago, like persecution of the church around the world is at an all-time high. It's at an all-time high. This isn't just back when, when Nero and Domitian and these emperors ruled in Rome. Like, like today around the world, there, are still, there is still a huge cost to following Jesus. 
in our suburban American life, we might not experience it that way, but it is still the case. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to look at baptism today. And so let's do that. Father, again, we thank you and praise you. God, that we get to come to your word, that that is everything. That is our instruction. It is breathed out by you, and it is profitable for us in all things in life. And so, God, I pray for humble hearts again before your word. I pray for the stirring of your spirit in our lives, that you would make it true, that you would confirm it in us, that you would convict us of your word, and that we would be true followers, true disciples, true followers of you. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So and often, oftentimes when you're talking about baptism, you're talking about an ordinance of the church. And like I said earlier, like depending on your church background, depending on your church tradition, sometimes it was referred to as a sacrament, which sometimes people have a problem with that word and coming from the Latin and what it all means. Does it impart salvation? Does it impart grace? Of course, in our understanding, in our Protestant tradition, it, this is not something that imparts grace or is salvific in nature, but it is something that Christ regarded as high as the apostles regarded as something to be held, to be um, that it is something of great importance in the life of the believer. We like to use the word ordinance because it was ordained or commanded or instituted by Christ himself. Namely, when you look at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Okay, so he says, Go and make disciples. And here's two things you're supposed to do when you're making disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you to the ends of the age. So in the Great Commission itself, Jesus commands that you go and make disciples, and disciples are going to be baptized into him. And those disciples are going to be taught the commands of our Lord, and they're going to be taught to obey those commands. So baptism and teaching to obey the commands, teaching the commands of Christ, are those two things that the disciples were instructed to do, to go into all the world. If you look at Mark's account of the Great Commission, Mark 16, uh, verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the, whole, to the whole creation. Verse 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so as you read that, there has been some misunderstandings over time. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Okay, so does that mean you have to be baptized to be saved? I think that would be a misunderstanding, but it is more centered in on the believing. Centered in on the believing, right? We understand, like Ephesians chapter 2 talks about how we are saved by grace through what? Through faith, right? That there's not works of righteousness. There's not righteous acts we can do. Actually, in Titus chapter 3, Verses 4 through 7, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us. So it was his goodness, his loving kindness, and it says, Not because of works done by us in righteousness. Okay, so we're not saved by our works, even the act of baptism. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Oh, it's so good. 
So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's the gospel in a nutshell that we are saved by grace through faith and through faith alone. But I think the way that Mark puts it, when Jesus commands them to believe and be baptized, verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. I think the fact that he puts that together shows us the hand-in-hand nature of believing and baptism, particularly in the early church. I think the fact that Jesus puts those two together would point that baptism was very commonplace in the life of the New Testament church. Even when you look at the book of Acts, and Peter on the day of Pentecost, right? Holy Spirit comes on the church, speaking in other tongues. They come pouring out of the upper room. They're pouring out into the streets, and Peter starts to preach, and thousands come to Christ that day. The church grows by thousands that day. And when Peter's preaching, in verse 37, he says this, or it actually says this, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So he's preaching Jesus. He's preaching Christ. And when they heard it, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Ever have that moment? Like, I remember when my mom was telling me her testimony years ago. And she heard the gospel, and she ran to the pastor, and she's like, Okay, so what do I got to do? Like, it was like somebody handed her a glass of water. Like, here's Jesus. And like, okay, like, I feel so full. Like, what else do I got to do? What else should I do? The brothers, what shall we do here? It says in verse 37. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, for those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So he's in the streets by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's preaching Christ. They're cut to the heart. They're convicted. They're like, oh, man, we need Jesus. Brothers, what should we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Again, showing that hand-in-hand nature of believing on him, which we've talked about over and over through the book of John. Right? The whole point of the book of John, the, the works that we recorded, the, the miracles, the signs that were recorded, the things that Jesus did were recorded so that those who would see would believe and that by believing on him, they would have life in his name. And I see here the hand-in-hand nature of believing and being baptized. And so, if being baptized, going into the waters, doesn't impart salvation... If it's not salvific in nature, if it doesn't impart grace in that way, if I can still be saved and not be baptized, then what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Well, first off, I think when you look at the early church, when you look at the narrative through the book of Acts, when you look at Paul's instruction, when you look at what Jesus has said, it seems like it was a big deal. That it was a declarative thing. To walk into the waters like it was, like I think about the Ethiopian eunuch, right? He's like, there's water there. What's preventing me? Let's go. I should be baptized right now. Right? And I think here, here's, here's the big deal. Okay? And we've talked about this just recently in the book of John. That baptism so beautifully 
and perfectly brings about two things, an identification piece and a glorification piece, which are both vastly important to the church of Jesus. Like I said, over the past few weeks and months, we've spoken at length of the importance of the glory of God, that God is primarily concerned about his glory. And that all of the miracles, like through the book of John, we see these miracles, these beautiful signs. They're called signs on purpose for a good reason. Like it's not just God being compassionate uh, for, the, for the infirmities of the world and, and for these folks that he comes in, con- in contact with. But they're called signs because they're revealing the glorious nature of our God. When he comes in contact with a lame man at a pool or when he comes in contact with a guy who was born blind or when he hears from the sisters that Lazarus, his dear friend, is dead and he raises him to life, these are signs because it's not just showing compassion to broken people, but it's revealing himself. It's his glory. It's him manifesting him, showing mankind his nature and his work. It's way bigger than just healing some brokenness in a person. It's revealing himself. Even as we talked, uh, may have been two weeks ago, our salvation is not about us. Think about that. Like, I don't go to hell because of the work of Christ. I am not eternally condemned because of Jesus. How awesome is that? It can feel like it's all, thank you, God, you loved me so much that you saved me for me. No, he saved me to reveal him. He saved me to reveal his glory. He saved me to reveal his majesty, to magnify himself. And through that magnification, guess what? Other people see Other people behold. Other people then also believe because he put his glory on display in a broken person like me. That's the work of Jesus. So my salvation isn't even about me. It's about him putting his work and his nature on display, his glorious grace. His work is about restoration It's about redemption. It's about the broken being mended. Not just a broken person being able to walk, but a broken soul being mended. The lost being found. The dead being raised. That's why we don't hide our brokenness. Like Dan was saying last week when he was preaching on love and unity within the church. When you look at that high priestly prayer. And the love that Jesus has with the Father, that's going to be revealed in us. And it's all about the glory. That's why we show our brokenness to each other. Because he binds up the broken. His work is about redemption so that when we are real with one another, when we are real with one, when we are transparent with one another, when we let each other into our lives and we let each other see the brokenness and the mess, but then we also get to reveal the Redeemer And the one who binds it all up, the one who restores it all, the one who takes that which is broken and makes it beautiful again, that's why we're broken people. That's why we're put in a community together to magnify and glorify the nature and work of Jesus. That's why I I love, like, I've been criticized in the past that sometimes I'm a little bit, uh, I don't want to say too transparent, 
But like, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dumb sheep. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just like any of, us, any of you. I, I have a calling on my life. I have, a, I have a role in a church. I'm just trying my best to answer that calling by God's grace. But some, like, I'm, I'm at least as broken as you guys are. I'm at least, a, 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 I'm at least, <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of my own life, and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm just I'm so broken. But that puts Jesus on display. If I walk into here every week, and I put on my nice pastor face for you guys, and I'm like, yeah, Kev's got it all together. I'm Pastor Kevin, for crying out loud. I need to be out front. I need to be the leader. I need to be perfect. Garbage. It's garbage. Don't fall for the trap. My facade of perfection doesn't do anything for the gospel. My openness, my realness, your transparency, that's why community groups are awesome. I'm so glad they're coming back in the fall when we can be in each other's lives a little bit more. That transparency, that brokenness, that mess, all that junk and garbage, all of that stuff, exalts the person and work of Jesus. It's beautiful. And that's what we're putting on display when you go into the waters of baptism. Baptism is about putting the glory of Christ and the work of Jesus on display. And it's also about standing with him, being identified with him. Like I said, this was costly back in the early church. It's costly in a lot of cultures around the world today. Being a Christian throughout history, people taking their stand and claiming their identity in Christ, that I was purchased by his blood, and I now belong to his church, the ecclesia, those that are called out, the called out ones. And a big part of that was proclaiming it in the imagery and the drama of water baptism. That was the initiation into the church. That was it. Like you believed, and here is the declaration to the world I belong to Jesus. Give me in that water so I can identify with him. It's about not being ashamed of Christ, not being ashamed of being identified along with him. I think about Peter, man, who's that, he's that rock, right? His name means rock. He's that. One who preaches to thousands on the day of Pentecost. Preaches and thousands come to Christ. He stands up boldly and proclaims him. It wasn't too much earlier than that that he was denying Jesus to a girl in a courtyard. Couldn't stand up for Christ when some little girl was questioning him. The Spirit of God comes on him. and He's bold. Standing with Christ. There's that identification piece that comes with baptism that I stand with, I stand for, and I stand in Christ Jesus. I was thinking about Luke chapter 9 this week. Jesus' harsh words said to all of them in verse 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. Have we lost our lives? Verse 25, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses and 
4 forfeits himself. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. That identification piece that I am not ashamed of the gospel or of Christ Jesus, that I stand with him. But it's also about being identified with his church. It's one thing about uh, the American expressions of church that uh, drives me nuts. There's a lot of church attenders in America. Church is about a place that you go to on Sunday mornings and you look good. It's about a place on Sunday mornings that, you know, we're going to church. We use that word. I use that, like, hey, guys, I'm going to church. I use that with my own kids. I'm going to church. And I don't want us to ever miss or forget that we are the church. It's an identity. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, and he has called us his. So we are the church. Not a place you go to, which it is a place that we come and gather. It's the gathering of God's people. But we are the church of Jesus Christ. And so when you go into the waters of baptism, you are saying, I belong to Christ, but I also belong to you. That I am now a part of the body of Christ. That I now have a responsibility to you, and you guys have a responsibility to me. That's the part of church I think that in America is missing often. We just come and we attend, we do our thing, we get fed, feed me, feed me, feed me, pour into me, pour into me, pour into me. That's awesome, that's great, that's why we come, we hear from God's word, the Holy Spirit takes this word and drives it into our hearts and lives. Do you realize that you are, you, we should all be bringing something to this place on Sundays? We've got gifts We've got spiritual gifts. We've got things that the Lord has bestowed on his church. Like, I am going to starve if you don't bring something for me. Like, I, I, I come to the scriptures humbly with the power of the Spirit inside of me. And the Lord is faithful to me. But the Lord does the same thing for you. And when you and I get together and we share that like we do tonight at Spirit Led, it's beautiful. The church is built up. It's edified, as it says in Corinthians. We all bring in something to this. We have a relationship bigger than what the church, the American church expression generally is. When you go into the waters of baptism, you're saying, I stand with Jesus. I belong to him and I belong to the church. I belong to the church. I belong to this body of people and I identify with you all. You've got a group that you run with. Like, those are my people. I hear people say that nowadays. Like, yeah, that, those are my people. Like, that's my type of people. That's my kind of people. That, those are my, and sometimes, like, it's hard to claim somebody. You're like, ah, are those my people? Do I want to be identified with those people? I'll tell you this right now. I am glad. I, am, I don't want to say proud because that, that has negative connotations. But I, I love being your people. And I love that you guys are my people. I love what God is doing in our church, and I love belonging to his church, his body. It is a beautiful thing to be called of the Lord. Don't stay in isolation. I'm just going to say that. We're gonna, we'll be talking about community groups in the next couple weeks here as they start to uh, relaunch for the fall. Be known by people. Know other people in this room. Take the gospel and what the gospel, what the Lord is doing in your life 
and press it into somebody else's life and let them do the same to you. And we will be built up to the glory of Christ Jesus. It'll be awesome. So it's that identification piece that happens in baptism, okay? Um, I belong to you. You belong to me. We share gifts together. So great. Okay, so there's identification and there's glorification, right? And that glorification means revealing, displaying, and this is why I namely, and part of it is, is the definition of the word, but this is why we baptize by immersion, okay? So there's different church traditions. There's different ways of doing it. We practice a full immersion into the waters, not sprinkling, we're not pouring, and I'm not going to rail on any of those different traditions that may do that. But when you look at the actual Greek word, it means to dip, immerse, or submerge. So even if, like, and I know language nowadays is, like, real loosey-goosey, and, like, we're just, like, deconstructing everything. So whatever word wants to mean, whatever it means to you, what I really mean, okay, I believe in definitions. I believe in defining things. I believe that when something means something, it means something. So let's use the same language, right? Baptized. Baptizo, right? It means to dip. It means to immerse. It means to submerge. So being faithful to the meaning of the word will help dictate the method in which we baptize folks into Christ. But again... If it's about identification, if it's about a glorification, putting Christ and his work on display, the symbol of baptism, and that drama, that dramatization of being immersed into water, going down into what people call the watery grave, that I am a follower of Christ, and the first step in following Christ is not just merely following some philosophy or his teachings, but the first step in following Christ is following him in death. And so immersion all of a sudden makes way more sense when you count it as that watery grave. I identify with him. I want to glorify him. So what I'm going to do to put him on display is I am going to die to myself. And you go under those waters, and it symbolizes being buried with him. That I have died with Christ. I have died to my flesh. I have died to my sin, my old nature. I have experienced a new birth, the new life, the new nature that comes in him. A nature that no longer loves sin like the old man used to, but now is all about Christ and his glory. And one day, even this broken body that has fallen apart, anybody's body's fallen apart? This broken body fallen apart, that too shall one day be raised new. So for us to go into the waters, to be plunged into that watery grave, so beautifully puts on display the work of Christ in our lives for the church and for the world. I've died to self. Let me just share with you some scriptures. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, exclamation point. How could we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised by the dead, from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Praise be to God. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says, You were buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7, says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. It's garbage. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith so that... I may know him in the power of his resurrection, may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It's about identifying with Christ and the glorification of him, putting him on display, going into those waters, dying to yourself, being raised to new life in him. Have you fully embraced your identity in him? that you belong to him, that you were bought by his blood, that you are now a follower of Christ, that you have followed him in dying to yourself, that you belong to him, that you belong to the church. Have you followed the Lord's command and lay hold of that identity through the act of baptism? Have you done that? If not, sign up today and we'd love to baptize you next week. I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to worship before we go today, but... As we wrap up today, um, as I said, the baptism is known as an ordinance of the church. And there are two main ordinances of the church, depending on your church tradition, but largely. Two primary ordinances of the Christian church, and one is the Lord's Supper, which we participated in this morning. Came to the Lord's table, the bread, the wine, the body, and the blood. We remember the Lord's death until he comes. It's an identification piece. Remember I said that that table is open. You don't have to belong. You don't have to be a member of this church, but you must belong to his church, that his church remembers his death in the ordinance of communion, the Lord's, the Lord's Supper. In his church, those who put his faith in him, we also identify with him in baptism, following him, dying and being buried with him, thus being raised with him, having new life in him, And now a part of his bride, the church. Unfortunately, I think there's probably folks in this room that would participate in one, but maybe haven't participated in the other yet. It seems weird to me. That these are ordinances, things that have been ordained and commanded by our Lord Jesus, that they were instituted for his church to identify with him and bring glory to his name until he returns. Why would you participate in one and not the other? Is it convenience? Is it cold lake waters? Is it the fact that you got to stand in front of people? Are you taking communion this morning 
and have not been baptized yet, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Our Lord Jesus ordained it. He commanded it. Believe and be baptized. And so today, before you leave, I hope that the Lord is stirring on you and you see, just as I have seen this week once again, how important it is, how big of a deal it is to be baptized into Christ, to identify with him and make that declaration, to bring that glory to his name, to put that work on display, that we might exalt him and live fully for him as his church. So as we worship, if the Lord is stirring your heart today, sign up. actually need a count for t-shirts, just so you know. Sign up today on the way out, because i got to turn that in by the end of the day today. And I'd, I'd be honored to participate in that. And if you've got more questions, sign up, and let's talk. Email me, call me. I'll give you my cell phone. We'll chat this week. Um, and so I just I feel stirred, and I want you to feel stirred. Let's make this a big deal. It's a big deal. What a glorious thing it is. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for these people. God, that you allow me to help care for. That you allow me to help see your word. You've been so gracious to us. I thank you that there are so many in this room that I know their testimony. I know their story. I know that they've been lost. I know that they've been hurting. I know that they've been uh, outside of you and then they've come into relationship with you. That they were once dead and lost and broken and you've mended them and you've healed them and you've restored them and you've given them new life. So God, let us be the best followers of you. (laughs) The things that you ordain the things that you command, that we would fully embrace them. That we would not be light with them, that we would not be flippant with them, ordinary with them, but the things that you command, God, that they would go straight into our heart and that we would boldly believe you and live them. And so, God, we will rejoice for those who stand with you and bring glory to your name. God, stir us, we pray. Help us to follow and obey. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, let's stand and let's sing.